Taken out of the ballpark by Ian Happ, which confirms for sure we will have a lot of home runs hit this year. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today, reacting to the first day of the season. Matt Davidson hit three home runs. Tim Anderson hit two home runs. We'll talk about two start pitchers for Fantasy Week 2 if you're not playing in an 11-day uh, week here in Week 1. We will talk about Dylan Bundy's awesome slider, Jake Odorizzi, 63% owned, outstanding. John Lester was crap. Carlos Martinez walked everybody. And here are Scott, Heath, and Chris. Good morning, guys. Hey, Adam. That was a fun day yesterday, wasn't it? It was pretty fun. It was tons of fun. Yeah. I had a draft last night. Would you believe that? I had a draft. We were were counting the Thursday stats. So you can imagine Matt Davidson (laughs) was drafted. (laughs) He might be dropped, but um, it was fun. Yeah. Did anybody else stay up for the Rockies Diamondbacks? I did. Got a little humidor action. You feeling good? Well, the home runs were were not exactly like clobbered. I yeah, I don't I don't really have any major takeaways. Like the home runs. I were was probably... asking how you're feeling after staying up until oh two in the morning to watch a not entertaining baseball. Game. Well, I was drafted. The draft <laughs> the draft took five hours, so that's what oh, I was wow. really doing. Wow. Um, I yeah. thought uh, I I flipped over to Edwin Diaz tight roping a save that was entertaining. Yeah. Well, at least he got it. Closers were. It bad was a yesterday. very Edwin Diaz save. Three strikeouts, two hit batters, two stolen bases allowed. <laughs> yes, and uh, I thought Patrick Corbin was uh, encouraging. Had that slider really working for him? So, you know, fun stuff. I didn't really get to see Felix, but we'll talk about it, guys. Let's get into it. We'll start with double and triple dongs from yesterday. Also, we will talk about Greg Holland. We will talk about the Giants bullpen, etc. Matt Davidson, forty-four percent owned. Three for four with three home runs, five RBIs, and a walk at Kansas City. His teammate, Tim Anderson, 43% owned. Two for four with two home runs, three RBIs, a walk, and a strikeout at Kansas City. The most incredible thing about Davidson and Anderson is not the combined five home runs. It's the combined two walks to one strikeout. Wow. Wow. I mean, if that, if (laughs) project that out, they're completely different players than we thought they were. Exactly. Um, you know, 44% ownership for Davidson. I would guess that quadrupled since yesterday. And, um, like, the thing is, we knew Davidson could hit home runs. He hit 26 in basically two-thirds of a season last year. He also walked 19 times and struck out 165 times in two-thirds of a season. And one game where he didn't strike out at all. Like, that's not enough for me to think that... uh I don't know. Nothing about this game tells me he's a different player than I thought he was. He just happened to have a, the best case scenario that player is capable of having. I feel like the upside for Davidson with those plate discipline issues is kind of like what Rugnet Odor was last year, which is, of course, not a very good fantasy player. Well, does, I mean, upside's 40 home runs. Rugnet Odor hit 30-something last year. Does anyone want to – I'm not really feeling 31. like working today. <laughs> So we could actually make this podcast really, really short and easy and just say we learned absolutely nothing new about <laughs> anyone yesterday because that's the truth. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, but, All right. We'll see you guys later. No, well, 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 I think, 
the closers, though. I mean, like, the, the Holland thing is obviously huge. Yes. Uh, that, you know. Um, I was joking, Adam. No, but, but you're not. All kinds of new things. Mood. But he you're not that wrong. Just trying to pick fights. <laughs> Chris is definitely in a mood. This should be very entertaining. But to sum it up, the two White Sox guys, Davidson and, and Anderson, are you interested in adding them? Even if you don't think they're going to be that good. How interested are you in adding them? I get a little more excited about Anderson because for the reasons I drafted him in late in some roto leagues, I feel like there's, there's a uh, steals potential there had like nine of his stolen bases in September last year, ran a ton in the minors. Um, and you know, we, we knew he had some power too, like a two homer game from Tim Anderson, other than the fact that it came on opening day, isn't especially notable. Uh, he has terrible plate discipline. He's probably not a points league pickup. But in Roto Leagues, if he was unowned and you need steals, I think, yeah, now's a good time to, to pick that up. Yeah, I would I would think in a, both a ca- Davidson and Anderson in a categories league could be worth an ad depending who the last man on your bench is. I like I don't think Matt Davidson's going to be a really good player. But I also think that he could be very – like there's a lot of guys that hit a bunch of home runs and strike out a lot. And just the variables that come along with baseball, he could be one of the good ones. But he just never walks. That's part of the equation. Like it's not like he could be Joey Gallo, you know. It's it's. Well, yeah, like how excited are we about Todd Frazier? Because isn't that probably his ceiling? Like the last couple of seasons of Todd Frazier? Right. That's a good point. So like 220 with a lot of home runs. Except Todd Frazier will walk a bunch. Yeah, that's yeah. even even Todd Ray Frazier walks. And he's in a better lineup. Yeah. I know the, I know right. the, the White Sox might not get to face Danny Duffy every day. But but hey, we've been wrong before. Right, he did homer off three pitchers, to be fair. We've I mean, been wrong he, before. He has walked. He walked quite a bit in the minors. So, like, there's no – I'm not ready to rule out the possibility of him ever walking. Don't drop David Dahl for him, right? No, no. Don't drop Scott Kingery for him, Heath. We got a tweet about that. Don't drop I, Scott Kingery. I, I don't know. I mean, he's he's going to play every <laughs> he, he, Scott Kingery so much. He's going to play every day. <laughs> I don't know if anybody in the Phillies is going to play more than four times a week. Let it let it that, sort itself out. Let it sort itself that out. That is a, the, the Phillies thing is actually a thing that happened yesterday that's worth talking about. All right, yeah. we, we'll get into managerial that. Uh, malpractice. Man, managerial yeah. decisions, I think, are, are what the most notable things we picked up on from opening day. Yes, Gabe Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler had a worse opening day than Joe Kelly. I mean, Kelly? It, it may have been the worst managerial debut of all time. It was pretty bad. Let's let's not overreact. Like, I, I, I don't he know. Has a, he has a nine-man bullpen. Aaron Nola went four innings in his last start. Let's not act like let's not bury oh, the guy. Okay, let's let's get into why it was. It was the worst one I can I know of. And and first of all, like it doesn't mean he's going to be a bad manager, but he, I don't think you could argue he didn't have a bad game. Terrible like he game. he didn't start Odubel Herrera first of all when everybody thought he wasn't going to be part of this outfield rotation. He was just a fixture in center field. It it seemed to upset Odubel Herrera based on some of the quotes out there, so he's got that to deal with. Mm-hmm. He uh, removed his ace, Aaron Nola, after 68 pitches when he had a gym going in the sixth inning and relying on a bullpen that isn't especially deep to preserve the lead for, you know, about four innings. The bullpen did not preserve that lead. Spoiler yeah. alert. Dumb. In the meantime, he removed Reese Hoskins, his best hitter, for defensive purposes. And obviously the Braves came back to tie it. It would have been nice to have that hitter in the lineup. And finally, he used his closer... 
in an unorthodox situation, uh, road team ninth inning of a tie game, and the closer ended up losing the game. He, he also said after the game that he doesn't have a defined closer. He's not. He, he it's not, not going to do that. And I would say, like the fact of lo- did he lose that game yesterday for the Phillies? Maybe that's not that Didn't. huge of a deal. But he he may have gone a long way towards losing the clubhouse by. Sitting someone like yes. Odubel Herrera, but that, yeah, I mean, but that, that, and pulling Aaron Nola after right, sixty pitches. That assumes that, like, he's not the one that built this weird roster with ten everyday players for eight spots. You know? Well, I don't like. We don't really know for sure that Nick Williams is an everyday player. Well, the reason why he said he sat Odubel Herrera was that uh, Aaron Nola is a ground ball pitcher. So he didn't feel like he needed the the outfield or whatever. It was it was dumb. It was probably not. There was there was a lot of reasons. That reason. There were a lot of defensible moves. Like you could defend a lot of these moves he made. Aaron Nola, for instance, hit third time through the lineup, significantly worse last year than first two times. Basically, every hitter was Eric Hosmer against him the third time through last year. Doesn't sound so bad. Um, but (laughs) but at the same time, like it doesn't have a very deep people, and and the more links you put on that chain. The more you're the no, asking nobody one, to be a wink, li- the wink Nola link, one, you know? I can't really blame. And him and obviously oh. we don't want to see that happen for Nola in our position as fantasy analysts because if he's not going to be allowed to throw six plus six seven innings consistently, he's not going to be a very good fantasy option. Yeah, I, I mean like like Severino got lifted at five and two thirds, but Severino had thrown ninety pitches. He threw Nola threw sixty eight pitches, so that was very surprising. And we hope that they don't get so analytical that we're never going to get any quality starts from Aaron Nola. But I think it would be an overreaction to assume that's just going to keep happening. In fact, right. this might be a good thing that the bullpen blew it so badly for their ace that maybe he'd be more inclined now to leave Nola in a little bit longer. I really just think Aaron Nola wasn't fully stretched out. I think that's sixty eight that pitches though. He had only thrown four innings in his last spring start. All right. Well, you know what? Again, we're not going to overreact, but it was not a good day for Kapler. All right. Here's a before we get back into uh, yesterday's stuff. Fun new segment. Favorite two start pitcher owned in less than fifty percent of leagues. All I want is a name. Who to pick up for next week for week two, which is Monday to Sunday. So if you're only playing a four four game week one or four day week one, week two, the best two start pitcher owned in less than fifty percent of leagues is who? Whom? Jake Junis. Jake Junis. Now, uh, we're kind of assuming the Royals slot him fourth rather than fifth. If they slot him fifth for some reason, then he won't be making two starts, but. Okay, Jake Junis. But I, I am right now assuming because it, because he's obviously, uh, more deserving of the fourth slot than Eric Scoglin that it's going to be Jake Junis who had like 20 strikeouts and 14 innings this spring and, um, very anxious to see what he can do against in, in regular season play. Okay, I'll take Hyunjin Ryu, 33% at Arizona, at San Francisco. Granted, I am working on a list that is incomplete. Scott will have a much better list than I will, but I'm looking at a <laughs> league page. Uh, yeah. And that'll be updated. Any other names? Marco Gonzalez. Very good spring prospect pedigree. And he has great matchups at San Francisco, at Minnesota, two good places to pitch. Marco Gonzalez. Would, uh, would, I was going to go dispute, with Jake Junis. I'm sorry. I, I would dispute calling Minnesota a great matchup. It's not a. I, I didn't. I didn't say. Great oh, matchup. you sure did. You said he I has said two great matchups. I said he is pitching in great situations where his chances of success are higher than they otherwise would be. 
play it back and you'll hear those exact <laughs> words. Matt. Thank you very much. All right, sorry, Heath. Go ahead. I was gonna say Jake Junis. All right. Uh, I don't fine. know that I have another one. You could still say Jake Junis. Yeah. I, I thought Junis. the point of this was just to say names, but you then I had to fill the silence and I Jake let Junis. us down a bad path. Yeah. Okay. We're done then. Two Jake Junises, Hyunjin Ryu, Marco Junis. Gonzalez. You can consider those guys, and of course we'll have some written advice for you on the website cbsports.com/fantasy. It's already up. Oh, all right, great. Uh, all other- your week two stuff is is already up. You can you can already set your lineup. You can put it on the board. Yes. One last quick, uh, you know, yellow light on that is there are a lot of rainouts in April. Yeah. So going with a marginal two-start pitcher, just be aware if he's pitching on a Sunday, you know, if he's scheduled to pitch on a Sunday, there's a chance he doesn't make that start. So, you know, keep it in mind. All right. Josh Donaldson dealing with a sore arm as we get into the big news here. This ah! was weird. Yeah, it was. Dead arm. They mentioned that he had a sore shoulder in early March, and I don't think we ever talked about it on the podcast because nobody ever made it sound like a big deal in spring training. I went back yesterday during that game once I saw, and I was trying to find any sign that the shoulder should have been something we were worried about, and there really wasn't any. It was the 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 calf a cut like ten days ago, but he could not make throws to first base. They they were calling it dead arm. Yeah. Now yeah. And dead arm basically is an unprepared arm. And it's worth noting that between the shoulder injury and the calf injury, he didn't play much this spring. Mm He didn't play the field very much. So it's just possible his arm is not game ready yet. And Ryan Zimmerman is a guy a couple years ago who was a third baseman, had a shoulder injury where he basically couldn't throw the ball well anymore. But it, it never stopped him from hitting really. Like he's had the injury concerns, but you know, he, he was still able to hit. It's just he couldn't throw. It could become a bad bad news situation for Kendris Morales if that's yeah. the case. They, they actually yeah. are saying they may have to play him at DH a little more for the time being Donaldson specifically. So, yeah, that would that would hurt uh, Morales' playing time. But for the most part, John Gibbons totally downplayed this. Um, he said it looked worse because he had to make a couple of off-balance throws. No. Not, they're not worried at all. Yeah. Uh. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they have spent this spring sounding just a little bit Metsish on injuries. That's how I feel about this Donaldson thing. I mean, this might be nothing, and he might DH. By the way, it would hurt Morales. It would put Celarte in the lineup. I would assume so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, not a bad option for for deeper leagues. Um, but yeah, it's it's scary. I, I'm not sure that I'd be trying to trade Josh Donaldson, but if I got a trade offer that had Josh Donaldson coming to my side, I would reject it. I would not. I don't want to touch him unless, I, you know, I mean, I'd probably give up like Devers for him. But I'm yeah, worried. No, you would give up? I think oh, I would. Yeah, you you yeah. would give up yeah. Devers for him. Yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. Like, that that's the thing. Like, yeah, it's a little concerning. But what can you actually do because of it? Like, it's not a good time to try trading him because the guy who doesn't have Donaldson is going to be – is not going to pay what Donaldson is worth. And more likely than not, it's going to be okay. So you just kind of have to cross your fingers, I feel like. I am very worried about him in my six-by-six with assists. (laughs) Uh, That's about it. He's going to crush you now. All right, then. Uh, St. Louis signed Greg Holland, who is 75% owned, to a one-year $14 million deal. Greg Holland will be a top-blank closer, or RP, going forward. Greg Holland will be a top-ten closer. feel pretty confident in saying that. He was was a stud for – 
every month but August last year, playing half his games at Colorado. He got a cut on his finger in August, lost the feel for his sliders. Sliders is everything, and had like an ERA over 10 that month. But the other four months, his ERA was like 170. And now he's not in Colorado, and he's pitching for a playoff contender. And, yeah, I think he's really good. Uh, Did you miss the part yesterday where Adam told us the Cardinals are going to be awful? And then they got beat nine to four by the Mets. Like I don't remember Adam saying. Did you say the Cardinals would be awful? No, I said I could see them being bad or something like I that. I think awful was the word you used. I don't, they have. I'll say top, I, top thirteen. I, yeah, top I think 13. they. I don't they're, think Mike Matheny is my is my hot seat manager. I think he could be the well, first. Well, until Gabe Kepler came along. No, he he's a first year guy. Mike Matheny is uh, the uh, what's his, the old Red Sox who got fired from the Red Sox last year? Sorry, John guy. Fox Farrell. John Farrell. John Fox coached the Bears, but John he's the new John Farrell. Anyway, I will say I don't tangent. Think, Go ahead. I'm I'm not necessarily sure Greg Holland is an elite closer anymore. I mean, he's dealt with the injuries the last couple of years. Walk problems have been a very big issue for him the last couple of years. And uh well, 2015 before the injury and then 2017 when he came back, maybe it was just a little bit of rust last year, maybe it was pitching in Colorado, but you know, 2016 he was injured. Yeah, I know. I okay. said that. Okay. Before Tommy John and for five of the six months last year, he was Jansen Kimbrell level. Yeah. Would you rather have Holland or or uh, Rysel Iglesias? Rysel. Rysel. Holland. And when do we think he's going to start closing for them? Yeah, I didn't see a good estimate of that. Um, but I would imagine, since he's a guy who works an inning at a time, a week or two. Okay, so Dominic Leone owners. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Philadelphia manager Gabe Kapler said he will not have a defined closer. Hunter Strickland got a save for the Giants as Melanson's on the DL. Strickland's 20% owned. Anybody else? Like, who, Are you looking to pick anybody else up in the Phillies bullpen? Or how about, you know what, we got to go right into bullpen stuff here. How about Brad Brock uh, and him blowing a save? Now, it's a little unfortunate. Chris Davis made a bad play behind him. Then the blooper tied the game. He was almost mm-hmm. out of the inning. The two walks were his fault, but yep. but otherwise, and yeah. Darren O'Day and Michael Givens were both good. They were. And Scott and I were in the scam league, in the 16-team categories league. We were deciding who to pick between Givens and O'Day, and we went with O'Day because they used Givens a lot last year for more than one inning. So, obviously, Brock had already been taken. This was our last pick. Uh, so, um, we saw, yeah, we'll speculate. Who would you speculate on if it were in Brock? And let's not act like he just lost the job, but it wasn't a good start for him. Yeah, O'Day pitched the eighth inning, so I would still speculate with him. But my my guess is it's still going to be Brock next time. The only reason after this kind of performance um, there's any reason there's any reason to doubt it'll be Brock is because Buck Showalter was um, less than fully on board with Brock. As spring training was coming to the end. Well, yeah, he he basically said that they were going to have a, a closer by committee. So I I would not be surprised if it's not Brock next time, but I think Brock will get another chance. Then what about Strickland? Strickland or, or Addison Reed after Fernando Rodney went all Rodney on us? Who would you I mean, Rodney just allowed a solo home run. I, I Definitely Strickland. And it's worth noting that um, Bruce Bochy uh, isn't necessarily – Counting out Melanson, he feels like he could be back in a couple weeks, but he also clarified that with, yeah. I don't really know. It depends when he starts throwing. I, and like, if he wasn't, if he wasn't healthy after an off season of rest, 
Like it could, like Strickland could be the Giants close the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's twenty percent owned. Good, good guy to take a shot on Hunter Strickland. All right, some other new. Uh, do I have any other bullpen news? Uh, Familia was good yesterday. Camber Jones. Yeah, Familia. Uh, his velocity was exceptional yesterday. Average like ninety-seven point four miles per hour with his fastball. So, if there are physical concerns there, they did not show up yesterday. Keone Keller, what do, you, what do you have to say about the Rangers? He he is the Rangers closer. He oh, didn't he get the pitch confirmed. yesterday. Okay, but he has been declared the Rangers closer. Okay, great. And then um, Ken Giles struggled, but whatever. Camber Drosian pitched the sixth, which is good news for Blake Parker. And uh, I'm just waiting for Addison Reed. I mean, Reed pitched two scoreless innings. Fernando Rodney's so he's bad. better than Fernando Rodney, but Fernando Rodney look, is the cockroach of closers. Well, look, yeah, you Not don't you don't add Fernando Rodney. After his entire career, which spans about three decades at this point, where he's been the same exact guy, you don't add that guy to your team and then watch him give up a home run in his first appearance and be like, whoa. No, no. No, this is this is not the Fernando Rodney I signed up for. <laughs> Excuse me, take him out of the closers role. What are you doing May 1st? What do you mean? Um, I'm podcasting with you May 1st. Yeah, well, you pick what, whatever you want me to do on the podcast. I will wrap I I will do something crazy. Shave your head. If Fernando Rodney is still the closer by May first, shave your head. Yeah, you know what? June first. Do a Friar John. June first. Shave your head. You're hedging. June first. Into a with a with like the monks. uh, No, I'm not doing that. But yeah, you are. He will not be the closer by June. Shave your cap. Shave your chest with a straight edge razor. Ah, no. no. We wouldn't get evidence of that. That's no, like, yeah, no, he's, we can record it. He's pretty hairy. Yeah, yeah. He, oh, he's hairy, yeah. Yeah, he is. It's true. Okay, <laughs> other news. Are you interested in adding Joey Lucchese? Uh, oh, I hope that's how you pronounce it. I forgot to look that Lucchese? up. Lucchese? Uh, L-U-C-C-H-E-S-I. He will make his MLB debut today for the Padres. Are you interested in adding him? I'm interested in him. I don't know that I'm interested in adding him because um, there are a lot of other pitchers I think I'd like Jake Junis, for instance, that I think I'd be looking to add before Lou Chessy. How do you? How did you say Lucchesi? I'd, I'd been saying Lucchesi, but oh, I uh, did not verify that anywhere. Joey Luke's. <laughs> um, like he he kind of has he, he's kind of like an Alex Wood sort of prospect where it's not like he has these. Favorable scouting reports shows up in high high in all the rankings, but his minor league numbers are very very impressive, and he ha- he has that deceptive lefty thing going on where uh, if there's anything that's going to beat a scouting report, it's that. So definitely interested in seeing how this goes. Michael Conforto could be ready by April 5th. That's outstanding. He's 89% owned. Michael Conforto. Mike Zanino was scratched with side soreness, and Tyler Flowers left with oblique discomfort, and Kurt Suzuki replaced him. So it's been a rough start for catchers with Perez on the DL, and hopefully this is nothing more than day-to-day for Zanino and Flowers. Is there anything we know, or we'll just wait and see? Nope. Okay. I think Flowers is going on the DL with an oblique. I think I saw that on the, the Twitter Twitter feed this morning. Great. Okay. Kurt yeah, Suzuki it's frustrating because obliques, we all know. But he's also Tyler Flowers, and yeah, he was good right? last year. Now, no, he was good. I, baseball. I look when he got hurt. I told you I think he's one of the most underrated players in baseball. But he's not a great fantasy option because he splits at bats almost fifty-fifty with Kurt Suzuki. It might actually be a good thing because now there's no fifty-fifty split there, and Suzuki, while not as good as Flowers, can, can be useful. Okay, let's talk about Thursday's standouts. We'll look at the most added list as well. We'll get you ready for week two. Uh, 
who wants to lead? Heath, why don't you lead off? Who was your Thursday standout? I'll eat a little bit of crow on Dylan Bundy. He was outstanding against the Twins. I think it'll be interesting to see with the Twins. You said, I don't know that they're a great matchup. We don't know for sure if they're a great matchup. They could still be a really good swinging strike matchup because of Miguel Sano, because of Byron Buxton. They've still got guys that whiff in that lineup. So that that is my question, but this definitely piques my interest. Bundy with seven shutout innings, seven strikeouts. The slider was nasty. 15 swinging strikes, 12 of them with the slider. Uh, it was the best swinging strike rate he's ever had with the slider. He did have more swinging strikes last year on opening day with the slider, however. Yeah. When he has, when he throws the slider, he's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's, that's every, so, you know, it's encouraging to see him throw it between a third and a fourth of the time yesterday. It's got to keep it up. And this is Dylan Bundy we're talking about who went seven scoreless with seven strikeouts against the Twins. And he apparently used his two-seamer, which he did not use last year. So that is something and to that, keep an eye on. And that was uh, – there was an off-season story about how he, uh, you know, learned it from Andrew Kashner, which hopefully his is better than Andrew Kashner's. But mm-hmm. and, and on the other side of that, like Jake Odorizzi went six innings and struck out seven. Yeah, so. he's got to be in this discussion too of standouts, and he's available. Odorizzi, 63% owned. Now, I was wondering if he was going to ditch the high fastball that the Rays organization preaches, but according to what I read on 1500ESPN.com from Derek Wetmore, who was writing about the game, he did not. He he used it rather effectively. It was a good weapon for him, for Jake Odorizzi. But Odorizzi, yeah. 63% owned, not a big strike. I mean, this was a great start at Baltimore. I was not expecting this. What do you guys think? Yeah. I, I mean, he's had good starts before, and right? Baltimore will whiff. Sure. Like, I don't – it's not – like, the reason I'm distinguishing Dylan Bundy's start from Odorizzi is because we've seen Dylan Bundy, based on the use of that one pitch, just be flat-out dominant. Well, Odorizzi, I mean, he's always going to be, I feel like, this mid-range pitcher who will occasionally have starts like this, uh, but will, you know, end up with an ERA near four, less than a strikeout per Sounds inning. Sounds a lot like Dylan Bundy. Well, no, I feel like, I feel like Dylan Bundy, yeah, I feel like there's another threshold he can cross into if he just makes maximum use of his arsenal. And there, there were some weird things going on in that game. Dylan Bundy might have had two home runs robbed, at least one for sure. Um, and it was a day game. The shadows were kind of weird. Uh, I noticed that at a couple of the day games yesterday, uh, with the Marlins and with, uh, Baltimore where the shadows just kind of crossing just ahead of home plate. So, you know, it's worth, Keeping in mind that. Sure. It's also worth keeping in mind that according to my notes, and I feel like I want to look this up, but Dylan Bundy in August went 4-0 and with a 2 ERA, 6 walks, 45 strikeouts, and 16% swinging strike rate in 36 innings. So he finished the season uh, on a tear. But... Used the slider a lot late in the season. Okay, good. So, so this is something to keep an eye on here with Dylan Bundy. What did you guys think of Felix Hernandez? Heath, he's 82% owned. If Felix were available in your leagues. Now, he had a shortened start. Because he really was not stretched out. 83 pitches, but no runs on two hits, four strikeouts in five and a third against the Indians. Would you rush to pick him up if he were available, uh, Felix Hernandez? You know, I just checked, and he is available in one of my points leagues. And I don't know that I would say I'm rushing to pick him up, but I am probably going to pick him up. I think this is encouraging enough that you take a shot at this. The four strikeouts in five and a third is not great, but this is a baby step. The velocity was down a little bit. And I, I'm okay with, like, I expect Felix and even Cole Hamels, they're not getting their velocity back, I don't yeah. think. But we have a history of 
really good pitchers that age and eventually turn into a different type of still good, if not as good pitcher. I think those are both possibilities for both Hamels and Hernandez. And I was pretty encouraged by both yesterday. Hernandez or Odorizzi? Hernandez. I'll take Felix. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's much to gain from speculating on Odorizzi. There may be from Hernandez, but I'm not, I'm not as hopeful as these other two, I don't think. Scott, who's, who was a standout for you yesterday? Who we haven't already mentioned? Um, probably, Good or bad. uh, hang on. Let me consult my notes real quick here. I mean, I'll give you some candidates. John Lester. Um, yeah, well, he obviously didn't stand out in a good way. No, it's, and that uh, was, oh, we haven't mentioned Jose Martinez yet. We have not. That was huge. Not yeah. only was he in the lineup for opening day against a righty, against Noah Syndergaard with Carpenter playing third base, but he made Noah Syndergaard look like, <laughs> you know, look like rubble. Yeah. Three hits, Barney a home run. run. Um, Barney? Barney Rubble. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly. No, he, he's the, Martinez is the one who looked like Barney Rubble. Um, I think gave himself, <laughs> isn't Barney Rubble like, no, no, that's Bam Bam. Yeah. No. Bam Bam's the Barney was one, the right? little short dude. He was kind of funny. I mean, I liked yeah. him, but he didn't look anything like Jose Martinez. <laughs> yeah. A little dim. <laughs> um, but anyway. Loyal friend. Jose Martinez. I think if he's doing that against Noah Syndergaard, how are they going to keep him out of the lineup? That's my point. That was a good start for him, and he's he's yeah. available. Yonder Alonso, Jose Martinez. Who would you rather have right now? Jose. Sure. Yeah. Um, I kind of want them both. Well, I don't. Guys, I don't know. Already got six I don't know that I'm dropping. I don't know that I'm dropping Yonder for Jose Martinez. Jose Martinez is outfield eligible. Yonder is not. He, that's true. That's oh, the key. Okay. That is true. That's, that is helpful. All right, Chris, a standout for you. Good or bad? Uh, let's, let's get into John Lester. He looked bad, um, against what's going to be a pretty bad Marlins lineup. Uh, but some of it wasn't his fault. There was some very bad outfield play. From a, uh, a player that will remain unnamed. I mean, he had a good game. Um, but yeah, like John Lester didn't look good. The velocity was down again. So, it's certainly something to keep an eye on with him because we had those concerns coming in. Um, but it's it's one start. The the two misplayed balls by Kyle Schwarber, one of them should have been a double, turned into a triple. One of them should have been a ball that went right back into the infield and he played it into a triple and I think two runs. So that wasn't entirely his fault. Well, the problem is John Lester is going to pitch with Kyle Schwarber behind him. A, a decent yeah. amount. Yeah. Kyle Schwarber's not going to misplay two no. balls every game. I, that, you was, know that was an especially... We look, we've seen Kyle Schwarber play the outfield before. He doesn't do that. No, I think the bigger problem bad. is they may not have, especially if Kyle Schwarber's playing left field, they may not have a great defense in that regard. And if John Lester is striking out two batters, he's going to need a great defense. Sure, but he struck out almost a batter perning last year. So let's let's not... Overreact. Yeah, but he, he, okay, so Lester had only 25 strikeouts in his last 34 regular season innings, only seven strikeouts in 14 and a third postseason innings, so that's what, 48 and a third innings to end the season with uh, 32 strikeouts. So it's something to keep an eye on. Lester struck out two batters in three and a third while giving up seven hits with three walks. It was a terrible start. If you believe in John Lester, then this is actually someone that I think you could possibly buy low on after one game. Because I could see somebody yeah. jumping ship. Sure. If you do, 
If you do. I don't. I do. I mean, I would pay. I don't, I don't see anybody selling low enough that I'd be willing to take a shot at it, but, but, you know, there's, there's a point obviously where that would happen. Would you be willing to give up Kevin Gosman right now for John Lester? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I would. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. What about Dylan Bundy? I would be willing to give up Dylan Bundy for John yeah, Lester. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I gotta tell y'all about SeatGeek. Get on that SeatGeek. Oh, actually, true story about SeatGeek. This happened last night. I was talking with one of our listeners, David. Who, uh, loyal listener, he and I have been in touch, and he lives in New York, and we're gonna go to a Yankees game. And we went on, he went on SeatGeek actually, and he purchased us two tickets to the Yankees game on Friday night against the Orioles, behind, right behind home plate for only $28, or like $33. Of course, you know, it's 400 levels, but it is right behind home plate, but no, we got a good deal. And uh, we use SeatGeek, and you should use it too. So download the SeatGeek app, and if you want to get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase, you enter the promo code FANTASY. That promo code is FANTASY on the SeatGeek app. Here's what SeatGeek does. Goes out and searches multiple ticket sites, pulls in the results, gives them all a grade based on value. You can see where you're getting the most bang for your buck. Where are the bargains? You can use SeatGeeks for games, for concerts, for comedy, for theater, and every purchase is fully guaranteed. So get yourself the SeatGeek app, or you can go to the website SeatGeek.com and enter the promo code FANTASY to save 20 bucks on your first ticket purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app and use the promo code FANTASY. All right, next section here. Worried yet? And John Lester was the headliner for this. But uh, let's go to Carlos Martinez. Worried yet? Five, Six walks, four and runs, and four and a third at the Mets. Nope. Nah. All right. John Gray, worried yet? Nope. Man, he couldn't even succeed with the humidor. I'm not worried. No. Nope. No. Uh, the ne- we're next one, we may get a little worried. Nope. Uh, oddly enough, with uh, John Gray, he's been better at home than on the road, just ERA-wise, <coughs> the last two years. Uh, next one is, what, Danny Duffy? Danny Duffy, worried yet? Nope. A little. Danny Duffy had some elbow issues at the end of spring. He lost control in his last spring start and could not throw a strike. They pulled him out. He said he was fine. He started off this game looking great and then just hit a wall again. And I, I have a little bit of concern. Yes. Yeah. I, his velocity was like 90, 91, 92. He averaged 91.1 with the fastball, which is bad. He's not, he doesn't have great enough stuff to be good. Yeah, I mean, he was, that was two miles per hour down from where he was last season. So that's certainly concerning, but it's, it's, it's one still start. one start. Corey Kluber's, start. Corey Kluber's velocity was down two miles right. an hour. Corey from Kluber last didn't leave his start before with sure. elbow pain. Yeah, that's the issue. And on the Sportsline DFS podcast, by the way, Heath Cummings and Mike McClure gave DFS lineups yesterday. Actually got in on the 10 p.m. two game slate, which was fun. Finished second place in a 50-50. Good well, for me. Well done. Well yeah. Done. Um, used a little, uh, used a little BVP data for some David Peralta. Uh, something, yeah, Jared, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, um, he said he didn't trust Danny Duffy. It was a good matchup, but you don't want to trust the guy who had the arm issue in his last start. And I thought that was a good point. So he struggled, gave up three homers. Uh, and finally, Chris Archer, you worried yet? N- not even a little bit. Actually, that, this was good stuff from Archer. That's that Denard Span's fault. Yes, that stupid Entire inside the park home run. Wait, wait. Runs. Denard Span hit a three-run homer yesterday, right? No. Cool. Well, that has that triple. has nothing to do with Chris Archer. I'm just game. saying, like we were just saying, Kyle Schwarber had yeah, a good game. I, I he said, had two misplays. I said that was Kyle Schwarber's fault too. Yeah. So, 
So basically, Bernard Spann hasn't figured out yet that he's playing next to the best center fielder in baseball and Kevin Kiermeyer and did not cede to him on a gapper. Yeah. That Kiermaier could have easily caught, but instead there was a near collision and the ball rolled to the wall. Yeah, so Archer gave up four runs in six innings and uh, at Boston. And Boston destroyed him last year, again, home against Boston. Boston destroyed him last year. His ERA was like 580 against the Red Sox. But anyway, fine start from uh, Chris Archer. If you saw the home run from Eduardo Nunez in the box score, it was a pretty weak inside-the-park home run. I don't understand. I mean, like, let's get with the times. That's clearly an error. Just start scoring it a stupid error. Not a hit. He not, didn't touch, he didn't touch the ball, though. Of course it's, it's an error. Why it's does not it have to be? Error. You know what? If you didn't touch error. the ball, that's an even bigger error. Like, you're pathetic. You couldn't even touch the ball. It's not an error if you don't touch the ball. It this is be. why ERA is a great stat. It should be an error. Should Good be home error. run, Eduardo. All right. Uh, can I mention one player I am a little bit worried about, at least yeah. for the remainder of his upcoming series? The shift that the Astros were employing on Joey Gallo, if he doesn't bunt, that's like a home run or nothing <laughs> defensive alignment, right? Why doesn't he bunt? Exactly. They, they asked him after the game. He said he's never really done it. He's not comfortable with it. He's not going to do it every time, but he's open to the idea. Yeah, and I think that's all practicing. It. I don't he think it'd be hard to do. It's not like a guarantee. Bunting is more difficult. And, and they mentioned that it might have just been because of Justin Verlander, who they say is a tough butt pitcher to bunt. Like bunting is something that looks really easy because you're just standing there and pointing your bat. Have it's we, probably more difficult to do against course. a 95 mile an hour fastball than we think. Have we ever seen, hand, have we ever seen a left-handed slugger bunt? It almost yeah, no, never actually, happens. I was doing research on it yesterday. Carlos Pena in the twilight of his career actually had 17 bunt hits over the course of three seasons. And? He was 17 for 24 on bunt attempts. And anyone and else? Like, that's, that's, but, and that's it. There are so well, no, many left-handed this, power hitters yeah, no, that get shifted. It, it won't happen. Uh, the it even with to. the uh, the shift becoming more prevalent, uh, uh, didn't we see Brian McCann do it I last year? I can't remember who it was. I think his name is Mustakas do it. Yeah, Fangra so or uh, SB Nation's right? analytics blog did a uh, did a study on this, and the rate of bunt attempts against the shift has basically stayed level. It's like one percent every year. It should be, but. I don't think every team is going to be willing to try it the way the Astros do. The Astros are a team that, uh, it's fair to say has a pretty wide margin for error. If Joey Gallo does drop a bunt, I don't think they're worried, but like this is a thing that players are going to have to get used to. Joey Gallo's not going to hit a double against four outfielders unless he hits it down the line. That's the only chance he has. So it, it's, I'm not worried about Joey Gallo. He's going to hit his home runs, but. Try to bot, man. That's yeah. all. Okay. Uh, let's take a look at the most added list here. Brad Boxberger is number one. Scott Kingery is 83% owned. He's number two. Did not play yesterday. Uh, that was pretty number two-ish. Uh, like, that's, we, we expected that though. I mean, yeah. he's a bench player. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't necessarily expect that. I, I thought, um, I thought they'd find a spot for him on opening day with the buzz that he generated. Now, I'm not dropping him. If he's not in the lineup today, though, or I don't even know if they're playing today, but in their second game, um, then that will be concerning. Wow, why do you hate Scott Kingery, Scott? No, but wait, would, but hold on, hold on. Let's talk about it. I mean, there, we've talked about there are avenues for Scott Kingery to start playing. You know, even yeah. if it's not right now, this is a guy, you, you should not have picked up Scott Kingery to put him in your lineup immediately. You should have picked him up to stash him and realize there's well, opportunity for him. Like, they're not going to put, like, I, I still, like, have a hard time believing, okay, we're going to make this long-term commitment to our best prospect, 
commit these dollars to him over this number of years, and we're just going to let him. I mean, they, we're going to let his his talent stagnate on they, the bench. We're going to let him, him like away. a bench player. <laughs> like, like that. That's the thing is that the thing about that contract for the Phillies is if he's just a bench player, if he's just a guy that starts every three days for the next six years, it's a great contract. Oh but God! Don't, no, you don't. Yes, you don't. That's what bench you don't give paid. a guy that contract of straight course. out of the minors when you have him for th- free, basically for three years, and you can wait and see what he becomes. You don't give him that contract if you don't think he's going to be a fixture for your team. Yeah. I mean, in year one, he doesn't have to be a fixture. But, but he's just be but patient, okay? You, you lose got, development if you just sit. They've got ten guys for eight spots. All right, we're, let's not get bogged down in this here. Just. Kingery you hate talking about start. Scott Kingery. You hate talking about Scott Kingery as much as these two hate the guy. Me, I love talking about Scott Kingery. What I don't want to talk about though is like the the merits of putting him on the bench and okay, but it's it not it's dollar. not just Scott Kingery. Odubel Herrera, Aaron Altair, Nick Williams. These are all guys who are going to have trouble finding everyday. Michael Franco, JP Crawford, many... Cesar Hernandez. Not Cesar Hernandez. He dong yesterday. I think the maybe Reese Hoskins. I think the only one who's sa- well, you know what? Reese Hoskins just shifted. Nobody first. is safe. Nobody's safe in the Phillies lineup. You know who didn't start at catcher yesterday? Jorge Alfaro. Yeah. Nobody's safe. That's true. Uh, Carlos Santana better be pretty safe. All right. Uh, other most added players. Yasmani Grandal, 85% own. Matt Davidson, 45%. Hanley Ramirez, 71. Jack Flaherty, 52%. Steven Matz is 81%. Kendall Graveman, Come on, folks. Forty percent. No, right? No. I. He wasn't good yesterday, but I'm interested in Kendall Graveman. He showed signs of being interesting last season. All right. The fastball velocity was up. He's got a great sinker. I, I'm not disinterested in him. Okay. Well, I know you're going to be disinterested in Ty Bloch, who's now sixty percent owned. After yesterday. I, yeah, I wrote about him in the waiver wire call in the day. Uh, don't add him. <laughs> don't add him. Three walks, three strikeouts over five innings. Great, great start. Yeah, he's blah. Do you have to say his name that way? Yeah. He defeated Clayton Kershaw. Zero ERA, 1-0 and on the season. Never lost head-to-head against Clayton Kershaw. He probably Kershaw. got more fantasy points than Clayton Kershaw yesterday, didn't he? You blockhead. Yeah, did he I'm get sure more he fantasy did. points than Clayton Kershaw yesterday? I'm sure he did. He was, he was he won. So, yeah, oh, probably. So stupid. Kershaw did give up eight hits. It wasn't like vintage Kershaw. Not that he was bad so, or anything, but uh, all right. Fun non-baseball news: the freeze is officially the best non-baseball thing in baseball. This is the super super fast guy who just destroys everybody he races on Makes the warning me laugh track every time. It's incredible. It's just it's so good. Yeah, look it up if you don't know it. The Phillies need a left-handed batting practice pitcher, and they are allowing fans to audition. So what I'm going to tell you is, if you listen to this podcast, you live in Philadelphia, and you're left-handed, and you want to throw BP. Go audition, win the job, and tell them you heard about it through the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. That would be a terrific endorsement. And did you see this controversy about whether or not the bird on the Baltimore Orioles logo has an open or closed mouth? This is – I'm having a hard time not – like. I, I don't know what the hell the people who think his mouth is open are talking about. You're 100, 100% I, it, right. 100%. It's not even – like. It's closed. It's not even – there's no reason to think that it's open. Well, like, why would the top of his bill be orange and the bottom be black? Have these people ever seen a bird in their lives? Yeah, I agree. I I, I can see it, but it is closed. Oh yeah, it's closed. It's not. Yeah, even, when no. you you know when you look at it long enough, it's like one of the it's like the 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 old lady young lady thing where no. like once it, you is, see it from the other angle, this is a young lady. It's hard it's to a unsee blue it. dress. 
<laughs> Chris has a hard time just seeing the other side of things. He's not not just not open minded enough to look at it that way. And I'm looking. It looks I, like all Orioles have black beaks. I disagree. None of them have orange beaks. So the beak is definitely black. Okay, let's but go through. Not... Let's go through some baseball stuff. Rapid fire here, so we can do some week two planning and some emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Tell me how significant this is if you're willing to pick someone up because of it. Chris Davis led off for the Orioles yesterday, and Chris Davis is 62% owned. I mean, they they said that it's not necessarily a full-time thing, um, so. Okay. Enrique Hernandez batted cleanup for the Dodgers. Cody Bellinger batted fifth. And that was against what pitcher block who's left-handed? Um, so, yeah, not— Enrique Hernandez was much better against righties this spring and worked on that this offseason. But if he doesn't play every day, he's obviously not going to matter. He should play every day. He's, he I would, should. I don't think he will. Put him and Wilmer Flores in the same boat. I'd love to see them get a chance. They won't. Ryan Braun was at first. But this wasn't surprising. Eric Thames sat against a lefty. So Braun played first, and Santana was in right field against a lefty. Okay, so we'll yeah. see what happens against a righty. Uh, Zach Cozart led off. Kinsler was out. But Cozart led off, played second base, went three for six with a home run, a double, and two strikeouts for the Angels. I wonder where he will hit when Kinsler's in, but top of the order, that was nice. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're planning for a top of the order. I think it's like sixth. Okay. Um, but still, I mean, it's one game, but I, I, I feel like he was underrated all of draft prep season. I wanted us to get him in the For the People League, and we didn't. Cozart. Well, don't worry, Scott. I, I drafted him last night in the league that we don't share. So yeah, that, was for you. that doesn't help me. <laughs> Shohei Otani batted eighth and DH'd at Oakland. He went one for five with a strikeout. Um, Colorado against a lefty started Desmond at first, Gerardo Parra, Charlie Blackman, Carlos Gonzalez in the outfield, and for you daily players, Chris Iannetta had a 9.67 OPS against lefties last year. So when he's catching, that's a guy you want to consider against lefties, but. Uh, you know, all right, so so they did have Blackman, Para, and Cargo, obviously Blackman, but three lefties in the outfield against a left-handed pitcher. And that, like, I won't really feel any confidence in the Colorado situation until we get a non-opening day game. I didn't. I figured they're, they're not Gabe Kapler. They're going to start their right. veterans. Right. Uh, Matt Carpenter played third. Jose Martinez played first. We saw that. Martinez did make a throwing error, so keep that in mind. Uh, Justin Bohr started against a lefty, and Cameron Mabin sat for Garrett Cooper. And we talked about the Phillies. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, 60% owned. He led off. He went two for five with a homer. He had a 906 OPS in April last year. He had a great April. Ended up hitting, I think, just nine home runs. He's a great player. He's good. Cesar Hernandez. Uh, Devin Travis is 20% owned. He led off for the Blue Jays. Anyone care? Yes. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this was a guy over the course of his first two seasons was on a 20 homer, 300 average pace. All right, it's Devin Travis. John Jay led off for the Royals. We probably don't care about that, right? A little bit of stolen base potential, but not much. And Yoan Moncada led off, went one for six with a double and two strikeouts at Kansas City. But he did lead off. So. He can't hit lefties. It's actually kind of an underrated thing about his skill set. He was not very good against lefties in the minors either. Uh, so something to keep in mind. Can we call that the Zoolander syndrome? Zoolander sure. can't turn left. Yeah. Can't hit lefties. Yeah. Right. I wondered where you're going with that. Great, uh, great start by James Shields. 
Yeah, it was. Big start. So you're saying Yon Mankata needs to go yep. to the Derek Zoolander school for kids who can't hit and need to learn to do other things well? Good. Uh, on the, on the, uh, topic of, um, and, sorry. <laughs> things that we thought would be a big deal that we are not including among the things that are a big deal. Otani started at DH on opening day. We talked and about hit that. three balls at 95 miles per hour. Oh, you, you or, did. Uh, he, he brought that up. You did mention that, Adam. Brief, brief mention. I'm Pretty sorry. good for a high school pitcher. Yeah. Which is what one scout called him in a Yahoo article. Wow. What a jerk. All right. Well, a high school pitcher pro- high yeah, school probably hitter. probably couldn't hit major league pitching. High school hitter. Yeah. I mean, his hit wasn't very impressive. It was just a ground ball. That yeah, a little dribbler. Yep. But he was in the lineup. Major which, league hit. Worm burner. Yeah, Are we'll you? See if he's in the lineup again today. Encouraged. Discouraged or neither or neither by Cole Hamels. Encouraged. Um, I was, I'm looking at his, uh, because the, the story this spring is he wanted more strikeouts. He was working in a slider. He got more strikeouts. Did he throw a slider? Not according to baseball savant. Now there is this, uh, FC, which is what, Chris? Cutter. What, right? Cutter. Cutter. Yeah. A cutter and a slider. Yeah. Do get mistaken for each other. That was his best swing and miss pitch yesterday. He had 12 swinging strikes, six on that pitch. So yeah, maybe I guess some of those were sliders. Was referring to. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, it's weird. I think Hamels looked good. I'm just going to speed it up. He, he did walk four though. That is a big, that's a big thing with Hamels. Yeah. It's the Astros. So you know how, like when you have a curveball and a slider and they're kind of like, like some pitchers say, I've got a slurve because it's yeah. a mix between the two. If his slider is kind of a mixture of a slider and a cutter, what would you call that? It's, well, it's not. It's a very, it's it's a cutter. Like he, it's eighty seven miles per hour. His fastball is ninety. I think I, know I get it. Honestly, a, a cider. It's obviously a collider. Uh, oh, are, I thought it's not a cider. Are no. you are you encouraged or discouraged by J Hap? Neither. Neither. Or you neither. Did J Happy and things yesterday? Yeah. And they we lived happily ever after. Are you encouraged or discouraged by Julio Tehran? Bullpen did let him down a little bit. Neither. Neither. No, he's whatever. Like if he's on your roster, fine. If he's on the waiver wire, fine. Are you encouraged or discouraged by Patrick Corbin? Encouraged, very. Yeah, nice start. Yeah. One walk, eight strikeouts. Did give up two home runs. That can be a little bit of an issue for him, but good start. Yeah, the humidor didn't save him. Didn't save him yesterday. How about Garrett Richards? Encouraged, discouraged, or neither? I'm discouraged. I mean, I hoped for more. It's ultimately one start. That's that's a game I paid a lot of attention to because he was one of our favorite starts in DFS, and he was kind of chalky too, so he's everyone's favorite start in DFS. It, he was battling this entire game just to get out of innings and then really looked like he ran out of gas pretty early, which is something we're concerned with with Garrett Richards. The uh, the fastball was 96.6 miles per hour, so that's good. That's good. Physically, he, he was fine. Are you interested in adding Mitch Hanniger, who went 3-for-3 three three with a double? And yes. or David Peralta, who went three for five with two runs. Mitch Hanniger. Hanniger. Yeah, more so Hanniger. I don't know that I'm rushing to do either, but, you know, they yeah. keep this up for two or three more games maybe. In deep leagues, do you want any of these guys? They're 16% owned or less. Uh, Gerard Dyson, Lucas Duda, Lonnie Chisenhall, Denard Spann. Gerard Dyson, Lucas Duda, Lonnie Chisenhall, Denard Spann. I think Dyson's a nice one-month fill-in category to get you some steals, and I expect him to play quite a bit. So Dyson and Bro. if if Cameron Maben doesn't play today, I would drop Cameron Maben for him. I might consider if Cameron Maben doesn't play again, uh, Garrett Cooper in deeper leagues. 
Yeah, and we were not surprised if you listened to the Sportsline DFS podcast that Lucas Duda, I mean, nobody was surprised that he homered off James Shields. He was a popular play yesterday. It was a dudong. It was a dudong. Uh, news and notes, Yuli Gurriel Man, is, right. is serving a five-game suspension. He might be able to return after that. Zach Godley won't be a one-star pitcher. He'll pitch on Tuesday. Uh, Bryce Harper has hit a home run on three straight opening days. Keep an eye on that. Nate Carnes could be back soon for Kansas City. Does he factor into the rotation? He was supposed to. He looked good when he pitched this spring, and and this is this is why I hold out confidence for Matt Harvey because you know Nathan Carnes is coming back from thoracic outlet surgery, and like and n- nobody's currently on the deal. <laughs> that makes I, I know, but he looked good this spring, and he's coming back soon, and nobody's freaking out. Oh, he's 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 finished. He's well, toast. He's, it's Nate Carnes, but at the same time, he's it's Nate Carnes, and yet the Royals still think he's good enough to beat. I'm just saying, like, like the Royals we're, rotation. We're, we're inconsistent in how we approach. I'm, I'm doing a Chris thing. Here, Name though. the guys he's going to we beat do, out for the we Royals. We do rotation. this thing where we think it's one <laughs> thing, but it's actually another thing when we apply it to I'm, this other player. I'm sorry that we have not expressed enough concern about Nate Carnes for you, Scott. <laughs> not I will, necessarily. I will go us. on the record as believing not Nate necessarily Carnes. us, Scott. but like Royals beat writers. You know, they you think they would make a big Scott, deal about I, he's coming back from this awful thing. In the interest of consistency, I will go on the record and say I think Nate Carnes will not be good. Okay. Jake Lamb had a bad strikeout against the left. He had a good game yesterday, and he had a bloop single that scored two runs, but Lamb had four RBIs yesterday, I think. He had a bad strikeout against a lefty, and when he was up, Steve Berthume and whoever was doing the game with for the Diamondbacks did mention that this is something that to keep an eye on this year. Jake Lamb against lefties. He's been terrible against lefties, and, and Scott mentioned him as a bust in the preseason, but even before the humidor, because we think Lamb could end up sitting against lefties, which hasn't hadn't been the case until late last year. I think I'm summing that up properly. So yep. he looked terrible against a lefty last night, but that was in a reliever. Uh, all right, so Scott, tell me some sleeper hitters for next week. So a big thing next week is four lefties in six games for the White Sox, and they have a couple of available hitters who mashed lefties last year, and obviously Garcia and Tim Anderson, who homered twice yesterday. Matt Davidson. Um, did he mash lefties last year? I didn't. He didn't stand out to me, but maybe he did. Um, I think also I like the Rangers matchups, and Delino DeShields is still available in a lot of leagues with that 50 steal potential. Um. Athletics actually have the best matchups, and there are a lot of everyday athletics who are available, such as Stephen Piscotty, Marcus Simeon, who had a three-hit opener, Jed Lowry is available in like 85% of leagues, and actually had a good year last year. Um, so they're all they're all up there. Uh, Jamer Candelario, the Tigers have good matchups again for the second straight week. I like him. A lot of righties for the Astros, so Josh Reddick looks like a good play. I don't want to give them all away. No, that's but fine. Top ten sleeper hitters for week two. It's already on the site. Check and I'm going to say this: I I used the sleeper hitters column. I, you know, look, he he does a lot of sleeper hitters. Might just be one per week that you use, but it's really helpful. So on Sunday night, something you get get a jump on it. Saturday night or whatever, it's something to really consider if you can stream sort of like the last hitter on your roster could really help you out. So I used also great for the matchup analysis. Yeah, the five best and worst matchups if you're looking for a tiebreaker. Right, and you'll learn some stuff about who's good against righties and lefties, and that'll help you if you play DFS. Uh, all right, so two star pitchers next week. You might have a better list than than I have. So, um, 
who are some of the guys that we could pick up for two starts? So Jake Junis is my favorite two start sleeper. Uh, I, we, one we didn't mention when we went around the room was Miles Michaelis, who had a very strong finish to spring training. Obviously, a good three year run in Japan. He's making two starts. Yeah, um, do you want to see it first? That's kind of that's why I didn't say him instead of well. Him. Yes, in theory, like in th- here's the thing about both of these columns is like you don't want to have to turn to the waiver wire for a sleeper in any given week. You want to just have good players on your roster that you can slot in. And I think at the start of the season especially, 90% of the people listening are in that situation. You can basically just ignore them. (laughs) I want you to get the clicks, but you can ignore the information (laughs) because you're better off going with your starting players. Um, So, yeah, I I would rather not have to start Michaelis. But... Um, if like in a points league where I've already rostered him, I'm probably not sitting him because you know the point, the, the disaster potent, the 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 possibility of a disaster in the points league, the damage isn't as bad usually because it's not wrecking ERA and WHIP. I I completely forgot to mention Chase Anderson. He's a two star pitcher next week. We'll see what he does, but he had a great start yesterday. You can't start Julio Tehran home against Washington and at Colorado. No chance. Um, would you start Cole Hamels at Oakland and home against Toronto? Yeah. Yes, okay. especially in points. Yeah, it's easy, much easier in points. If this be the first of many times we say it, but in points leagues, you're just accumulating points. So two star pitchers are helpful. In roto, you know, or categories, you have to worry about your ratios. Would you start Matt Harvey against Philadelphia and at Washington? I mean, it's gonna probably not because that's gonna be his first two starts of the season. So it would, um, you know, I'd be more likely to do it in points league than roto, but probably not. Chris Towers, you own Jordan Montgomery in the pot, in the uh, Memorial Magazine League. A lot of leagues. Tampa Bay and Baltimore at home. Start or sit Jordan Montgomery. The Baltimore matchup is the one that you would be concerned about, but they still strike out a lot. They're a low on base percentage team, so uh, yeah, I'd start him. Me too. Okay. Sean Newcomb. Oh yeah, no Washington and at Colorado. Absolutely not. Uh, Andrew Triggs, Hyunjin, is anybody else feeling Hyunjin Ryu? I feel like he's kind of underrated. He, I, I mean, I have him behind Julio Tehran, who you said absolutely not to, but I do have him ahead of Sean Newcomb in my rank, my two-star pitcher rankings here. So it's kind of a borderline area where it, it just kind of depends how averse you are to risk. Um, again, if 90% of people listening uh, wouldn't want to force Miles Michaelis into their lineup, then probably 96% of people listening wouldn't want to force uh, Ryu. Ryu into their lineup. So, Scott, you want to make a gentleman's bet? Ryu versus Tehran? Okay. All right, let's do it. What are the terms of this bet? Just nothing. That gentleman's bet okay. is just... Gentleman's bet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all it's going to be better. What's What's the measurement? Points. Points. Overall fantasy points. Yeah, fantasy points. All right. I'm right, down. Cool. I'm, <laughs> I'm in. All right, check out the column. And uh I guess there must be a lot of off days next week, which is typical of, of week. There are six teams playing five games next okay. week. And we're going to see more of that in general this year because more off days have been baked into the major league schedule. It's part of the reason why the season started so early, March 29th, the earliest I can remember. So, yeah, so there aren't a ton of two-star pitchers on the waiver wire. All right, uh I think we're done. I'll just read a couple emails real quick from Brian. I have Chapman and Diaz in a 10-team Roto League. Should I drop A.J. Minter or Josh Hader for uh, Keone Kella? 
I'd drop Hater. Yeah, I mean, you have to for a guy who's closing. Yeah. And Doc Kratzer, our theme song man, says, Hot take. There should be a moratorium on using a player's name and your team's name if said player is not on your team. You wouldn't wear a Pearl Jam t-shirt to a U2 concert. Um, I think a lot of people would. Wearing a Pearl Jam concert to a t-shirt to a U2 concert is better than wearing a U2 t-shirt to a U2 concert. Because like no, you're no, at we're the done. concert, you don't need to tell people how much you like you too. Oh, I'm sorry. It's assumed if you're there. I thought you were gonna hate on you too, and I was no, no, no. I love you too. Do you not wear a Marlins jersey to a Marlins not game? The same people thing. assume you like the not Marlins. Not the same thing. It's not the same. Kind thing. Of I kind of agree. The Marlins with Chris. jersey is to show support for the guys on the field. You don't show support for the guys on stage? Bono doesn't need my support. That guy's got enough self-confidence, all right? Maybe Larry. Yeah. I mean, that's the drummer's name. You don't don't think uh, maybe the Marlins don't have any self-confidence, but most fans out there, you don't think Giancarlo Stanton? I don't want to talk about Giancarlo Stanton. I don't want to talk about Giancarlo Stanton (laughs) because Adam's going to have to get the bleep button out, and I can't deal with it right now. Speaking of which, you guys should get your Dong Chasers picks ready for later today because – I am Bryce way Harper. ahead in the standings with John Carlos Jansen. Bryce ball. Harper. Oh, nice work. Okay. Uh, Bryce Harper's not on the slate, Scott. We're out of here. See you later. Talk- have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you about it.